Good morning. All right, let's pray. Let the Holy Spirit breathe on this a little bit more. Holy Spirit, we just invite you in. We, we welcome you and we thank you for your presence with us. God, we, we thank you for sending him. We thank you for um, the gift tour, towards our lives into this world, God, with the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, as, as we, we get into the Word, you just breathe life into what is going to be spoken, that you um, soften hearts to receive it, open minds to, to hear, um, to receive it, and open ears to hear what you are saying today. And we just thank you for just who you are. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have sent your Son for us. And God, we just, we give this day to you. We give you honor. We give you praise in Jesus' name. All right. Amen. So I left my Bible somewhere. I don't know. I got the scripture down. So it's, it's, it's in my backpack or something somewhere. But I got my scripture here. It's probably in my backpack. It's my purse. Um, it's my purse. Um, it's my man bag, yeah. Uh, so um, a lot of you guys know, uh, we've talked about fivefold ministry. We talk about, um, you know, what the fivefold can do. We've talked, uh, usually we do it once or twice a year, we talk about it. But, you know, it, uh, if you guys have heard that before, we talked about apostles, how apostles are sent. And, um, you know, we always talk about missionaries, and we, we send missionaries to foreign countries and stuff like that. But um, if you look at missionaries, a lot of mi- times missionaries are very similar to what apostles were hundreds and thousands of years ago. The different roles, but missionaries are what? They're sent. They go, and what do they do? They bring the gospel. They bring the um, kingdom of God to areas that aren't reached. And so apostles, what the, the um, definition for apostles are, is, is sent ones. So when we send missionaries, when we we fund missionaries to go do the work of the gospel. We're sending uh, um, an apostolic leadership or an apostolic group of people to go out and, and to bring the gospel to other people. But as uh, believers, we should be apostolic too. Mm-hmm. And we, a lot of times we get so caught up in the fivefold of, well, I'm not an apostle, I'm not this, I'm not a prophet or whatever, but that doesn't matter. That, that doesn't matter um, that we don't fit into that, that, that box of, of what it says there. Because God didn't design everybody to fit into the same box, into the same role. So, but as believers, we should be uh, apostolic. We need to be pushing the kingdom of God to our, our, in our own lives. And so what I mean by that is so many times we, um, as Christians, we get comfortable with, um, we have our default scriptures that we go to. You know what I mean? We all, we all have our default scriptures. You know, we go, we go to them anytime we need encouragement. We go to that default scripture. And that's great. But sometimes we can get in, into that, into that, uh, that lull uh, and that um, ease of just the Christian life, just the, just the living the daily Christian life. And, and so many times we need to have um, an apostolic view of our lives. We need to have an op- apostolic view of everything that we are involved in. So what that means is this, is we need to see, okay, okay, where am I at in my life? Where can I push farther into the kingdom of God in my own life, for my personal walk, whether it's devotions or prayer or, or uh, prayer in the spirit or um, reading your Bible, whatever it is, there's, there's areas we can push ourselves into. And what apostolic people do is they push you and sometimes they will drag you <laughs> um, along. And, but 
sometimes we need to have an apostolic view of our own lives and push ourselves into and, and send ourselves into the next level. Y- you know, it's like um, flights of stairs. You're like, I'm good. I can do two flights of stairs. By the time you get to the sixth flight of stairs, you're like, <laughs> what did I choose? You know, like, and, but an apostolic, apostolic view. Wow, they're just loving it back there. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're all hungry at the same time, so. Um, Should have put donuts back there for them. Um, but our job as apostolic people is to, 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 is to push ourselves into that next level. But it's also to, as an apostolic person, we are sent into the areas we work in, whether it's, you know, HR and you're up to your elbows in people, or it's mental health and... Yeah, you, you're, you're heading people. And whether it's, you know, whatever you're in, you need to be an apostolic person. Say, how do I send myself into the, in the kingdom of God into those areas where I work? How do I take the kingdom of God and bring it into that new area? That's why you'll always hear um, preachers say, you're a missionary where, you're, where your work is. You know, you hear a lot of preachers, when I was a kid, a lot of Baptist preachers, like, you're a missionary where you're at. You go into work and you're, you're a missionary. And, but that's an apostolic role. Yeah. And so we need to be apostolic in every area of our life, not just like, well, I just, I just talk about church with my church friends, and then anybody else doesn't go to church with me, I don't really talk about what happens with God. No, we need to bring what we yeah. do at church, yeah. these moments we have at church, we need to bring that into our work life. Again, we're not going to be, we may not speak in tongues while we're at the, in the lunchroom with all of our friends at, at work, but there might be moments. But we need to take that, 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 that culture that is God is creating inside of us, that, that, that fire that God is creating inside of us, and bring it to every area of our life. That means church, spur each other on, push each other into the things that we should be doing. And I don't mean forcefully, I mean just like encourage each other, build each other up. You know, when we were sent, we have a mission. You don't, you don't just send somebody somewhere and say, hey, it, it's not vacation. When you go on vacation, usually it's just like, well, we're just going to do whatever we do and, and we'll just enjoy it and we might have a few scheduled things and then we're going to just relax the rest of the time. But someone who is sent by God doesn't just go in there for vacation, Paul, if you read the scripture, Paul didn't just go in and say, hey, you know, I'm going to go to Macedonia. I'm just going to chill out there for a while, enjoy the, enjoy the weather and the sea, and then I'm just going to wait for, um, wait for God to tell me. No, he went in there and, and brought the gospel. He brought the kingdom of God to the area. And so an apostle, what they do is they're sent to bring the kingdom of God to the area, into the area that they're, they're called to. So our job is to be like apostles, to bring the kingdom of God everywhere we go. We have to bring the truth of the word of God. We have to bring the presence of God where we go. You know, you might work in the most den of heathens ever, but you can still bring the presence of God into there. It's, it, you know, it sounds bad, but, you know, you, you could work in some of the worst places ever, but still have the presence of God with you and transform the areas you're, you're in. You know, you can work with some people that might not say the, the choicest words every other word, and they'll be like, well, why doesn't he say that? Or why don't they talk like that? And they could be like, well, this is why. And they're like, oh, I've seen people, they'll stop saying those words because they're around you. It's not because 
they're like, well, I just don't want to be, you know, I just don't want to say those around you. It's because, you know what, something transforms in their head that says, you know what, they are this, so I'm going, they start to conform to what the kingdom of God is starting to do. You know what I mean? You know, they'll, they'll talk like a sailor, and then the moment you start, are around them on a regular basis, they're like, yeah, I'm just not going to talk like that. Yeah. Come on, sure. They'll start to transform themselves, or God will start to work in you. They start to transform the way they talk, the way they act around you, because it's not, they just think it's them, oh, I'm just not going to be, because I don't want to offend them. But it's the Spirit of God working slowly in them. So when we go out to where we are, we have to bring the truth of the Word of God. We have to bring the, the, the presence of God with us, the Holy Spirit to move with us. And we need to bring the power of God with us. So there's a band called Kansas. Most of you guys know who that is. Favorite song, Dust in the Wind. Just saying. Um, and carry on my wayward son. Um, yeah. Not all, the, the, not all the crappy remakes of that song, just the original. Just, um, but I, lo- um, I was just going through, um, listening to it, and I was like, well, you know, what was the last album they put out? And, and the last album they just put out, I think it was last year, was called The Absence of Presence. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh. I was like, wow. And it made me start to think, and it said, it made me think, how do we live, and how should we do life in the flow of the Holy Spirit, where the presence isn't absent. And, and, I, and I don't know if, what the reference to that was, but it just made me start to think about that. And I'm like, how do we live so there isn't the absence of presence in our life? So the Holy Spirit doesn't just show up when we need him to show up. You know, we don't just dial. He's not like Uber. Hey, I need you right now. Can you pick me up here and, and help me out with this? Um, I'm at this location, you know, hit the GPS and, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you now for this few minutes, and then I'm going to move on to something else. So how do we live without the absence of presence in our life? How do we live with the presence of God fully in our lives all the time and working in us? And, you know, God was just kind of giving me a couple things. And, and the first one was this, the Holy Spirit should be our guide. So if you look at what a guide is, you know, when I think of a guide, I think of like, you know, the the backwaters of Alaska, someone taking you in to, to drag you through these, air, the, to walk you through these areas to show you where to go fishing or hunting or, you know, like I was watching this video and this guy's a, 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 uh, a guide in Montana and he's showing people where the best places to hunt and fish and different things like that are. And I'm like, he is leading them to where they, they should be. He is tasked with the job of leading them to the place that they should be. So the Holy Spirit should be our guide. He should be the one that's telling us where we need to go, how we need to get there, what we need to bring along, and how, when we get there, what we need to do. Because a lot of these guides, they don't just take you there and go, that, that's, they don't just take you there and go, oh, here you go, good luck. They show you what you need to do a lot of times. Because they're trained on what, they, what um, you're going to do. So they can show you how to hunt, fish, whatever they need to do. They will take you along. They're not just going to leave you there and say, oh, oh, by the way, I left you out in the middle of the woods. Good luck. I'll be in my tent. Let me know when you're done. A lot of the, a lot of the guys will, will go with you. They walk with you. They lead you through. And they give you the, the proper instruction and areas to do that. And I think that's the way the Holy Spirit operates, too. He doesn't just lead us. You know, it says that he leads us in victory. So leading us in victory doesn't mean this. Well, I'll be in my tent. 
Let me know how the battle goes. When you win, let me know. If you lose, please let me know so I can get out of here quicker. No, it's funny that in the last couple hundred years, we've changed the way that our leaders lead. Leaders used to be front line, you know, sitting there on the front line going, okay, I'm going to go first. You go with me. And so the Holy Spirit, when he leads us, leading doesn't mean walking behind us saying, oh, go, go up here. He leads us. That means he's out front. That means he's there with us. He's saying, okay, follow me. Like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So how was Paul was following Christ? So how was Paul following Christ? Because he was following the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life at that moment, at that time. So when he was in areas that he needed to get out of, he got out of. When he was to go to areas that he needed to go to, he said, I need to go to this area because the Holy Spirit was leading him. And then when he wasn't supposed to go to a certain region, the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going to go there right now. You're going to stay here. You're going to work. You're going to complete something else. Then I will send you. So, 1 John 3, 22 through 23 says this. It says, we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his orders, observe his suggestions and injunctions, follow his plan for us, and habitually practice what is pleasing to him. And this, excuse me, and this is his order, his command, that we should believe, put our faith and trust and adhere to and rely on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And we should love one another just as he has loved us. So it says this, it says we should obey, we should observe his, in, his suggestions, his injunctions, and follow and practice. So we have to, do we have to, to follow what the, the Holy Spirit is saying to us in order to be led by the Holy Spirit? Make sense? It's pretty easy. He says to do something, you do it. It's like parents and kids, go clean your room. Okay. They don't clean their room. I told you to clean your room. Okay. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, it, it's, it's something different. We, as when our kids are little, you know, I remember, go clean your room as a kid. Okay, shove everything under the bed. Just pull the, pull the bedspread down just a little bit farther so you couldn't see. Yep, you're all like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. Either that or you didn't have any toys. So, um, but yeah, it was like laundry, shoes, toys, and just shove it. And it wasn't like just shove it under the edge. It was like, you get under there and shove it all the way to the back because you were like, I cleaned my room. And then you take care of a few extra toys just to make it look like you had taken care of everything. Um, I usually got away with it if I hadn't, like every now and then I'd push it to the back and I'd forget to, to the, and you could see out the end of the bed. Sometimes there'd be stuff under there. So you'd have to, you to corner it into the edge of the, into the side of the room. Um, but when you, we would tell, we tell our kids, go do this. We're, what are we doing? We're giving them a command. We're not, we're not domineering over them, but we're giving them a command to go and do something. Yeah. It's the same way when the Holy Spirit leads us. He says, go do this. And it doesn't sound like he doesn't get on in our ear and go, hey, go do this now. He, he says, go do this now, but it's in a nicer manner. Yeah. Our kids are like, your room is filthy. Go clean it now. The Holy Spirit's like, you need to go minister to this person or you need to leave this situation right now yeah. or you need to walk into this situation or you need to bring peace into this area. So when we, when we follow him, we observe what he says, his, his orders, we obey him, he starts to work in us. He starts to um, transform us so he can guide us and we can respond to him better. So when we start to listen to what the Holy Spirit says and we start to obey, we start to be able to understand what the Holy Spirit is saying more. 
And then it's easier to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, and it's easier to obey. Because what happens is, is so many times when the Holy Spirit says, go do something, you're like, no. <laughs> That's how my wife says no. When I'm like, I really want to do this, she's like, no. <laughs> and when we say no, <laughs> the Holy Spirit's like, oh, okay, you don't want to listen to me. I'm going to keep talking to you. But what happens is eventually we become deaf to him. Yeah. We become deaf to what he is saying. So what happens is when we become deaf to him, we, he starts to speak, but we don't understand. It, it reminds me of the, of the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel, they're all communicating. They're building this skyscraper into the, the sky. They're going to be, you know, reach up to heaven. And then God says, nope, you're all going to speak a different language. Can you imagine that? You're all like, you know, get up the next morning, I'll come to work. And you're like, what in the world is happening? And, and you're like, Bob's been drinking again. He, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, what happened was is they all became deaf to it. I mean, they heard each other, but they didn't understand. What happens is the more we say no to the Holy Spirit, the more we say, no, I don't want to, the more we don't understand what he's saying to us. And the more we don't understand what he's saying to us, the, then we become deaf to what he's saying to us. So we have to say, okay, what are you commanding me to do? Um, there's a, a line... Uh, from uh, an old movie, and I can't remember what it is. Um, it's an old 50s, 60s movie, and it's about, you know, biblical times. And he says, uh, your, your command is my will. And, and that really, that really um, kind of made me start to think, you know, whatever the command was that the, the, the king or the, the, the person in authority over that guy said, he goes, that is now my will. And I think so many times we have to say that whatever your command is, that is my will. Because what does Jesus say in the garden? He says, if you can take this cup from me, if you can take this pain, this suffering from me, please do it. But it is not my will, but your be, yours be done. And so when the Holy Spirit talks, we need to be like, okay, whatever you said to me has now become my will to do. I, I take your command and it is not, it's not my will. It is your will, but it becomes what it is. My will becomes what your will is, Father. Because what happens is we become less, he becomes more, and then we start to be able to understand and just say, yep, that's what I need to do. We don't doubt it, we don't question it. It's just like, I know this is the Holy Spirit, I've heard him speak to me, and that's what, he, what he's saying to me at this moment. And so the presence to us, it should be natural. It shouldn't be something that is just like, well, I, I think I felt the Holy Spirit when I was driving down the road and I got the chills. Could have been the air conditioner. Yeah. Just saying. You know, people are like, I got the chills. Well, was the air conditioner on? And I'm not, I'm not discounting that. But because the Holy Spirit does show up and you're like, oh my gosh, it just got, it changed. But, you know, people are like, well, I just got the goosebumps. I get the goosebumps when I watch scary movies. So we have to be able to be, yeah. It has to be natural for us. We have to understand what it is. We have to understand so we don't try to force. We don't have to force it. We, so many people, they, they get into charismania and they, they try to force, they try to force the will of God. Like, oh, the Lord gave me a word. Well, was the word for you or was it for the, uh, someone else or was it for the body? And so what happens is they just instantly give the word and it's like, oh yeah, that was kind of a word of correction, I think for you and not for the body or for someone else. And, and so we have to, we have to 
flow naturally with the Holy Spirit because when we try to force what the Holy Spirit is doing, do y'all feel that? Do y'all feel that? No, I didn't feel that. Sorry. It, was, it might have just been you. Um, and it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. But the natural flow of the Holy Spirit will just allow us to know when he's moving in us, when he's working in us. And we all experience it differently. Some of you might be joy and, and it's going to be different at times too. But some of you just, there's certain times where you know the Holy Spirit is moving in you because he moves in a similar way in your life uh, almost all the time. And, and it's just that you realize, oh, that's the Holy Spirit moving. He's prompting me to do something. He's prompting me to do that. So it should be normal to us. And it should be easy instead of a forced thing. If we try to force the whole, the, the the Holy Spirit on other people, what happens is they're like, you're crazy. I don't want it. I don't know what you're talking about. The nut job over in that desk right there is trying to whatever. You know, please don't just try to baptize people in the Holy Spirit with they, whether they realize it or not. You just walk up to them, lay hands on them. Don't do that. It's not, it's not natural. It doesn't, it doesn't work. So don't, don't be flaky about it. We have to be, okay, I, I'm not saying this. There has to be a balance between flaky and controlled. It has to be balanced, and it has to be of understanding when God is moving, understand when he is not moving, and, and combine those things so we hear and we understand what he's saying. So Psalm 143 says this, says, I, want, I just want to obey all that you ask me. So teach me, Lord, you are my God. Your gracious spirit is all I need. So lead me on the good paths that are pleasing to you, my one and only God. So he says, teach me. So we have to be able to understand what God is saying, allow him to teach us when and how to release the Holy Spirit and to really, um, I don't know, I don't really want to say it this way, but not be the weirdo about it. We, it, it. Being the Holy Spirit weirdo does not get you anywhere. Because what happens is people, are, they, they avoid you. You know, they walk around and they, they go the other side. They see you in the store. They're like, oh, hey, and then they down the aisle and you go down that aisle. You're like, where are they going? They're four aisles on the other side. <laughs> don't chase them down. They don't want to be talked to. No. <laughs> but we, it needs to be natural so that when we're talking to people, the Holy Spirit flows out of us. And then it's not weird to them. The reason why most people don't want, want to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit or the, the presence is because it's been weird to them. They had a weird experience with it. And it was never either, it was a weird experience and no one ever explained what God was doing or just somebody just, you know, runs up to him. You want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And then, what, huh? You know, they got that, you know, deer in the headlights look. So it should be natural for us to flow in the Holy Spirit, to talk about the Holy Spirit, but not in a way that's going to scare the heck out of people. Yeah. So David says, teach me. Teach me how to walk in your ways. Teach me how to be with you. And we look at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit showed up in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit just wasn't guided to just go, hey, uh, Jesus is going to get baptized here in a minute. We've got to poof, create the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had been there the entire time. And we look throughout the Old Testament, we see moments where the presence of God came on people. We look at Elijah, we look at David, we look at a lot of the different prophets. The, the presence of God came on these people. Think about David. He's got slingshot, a couple little small stones. 
and he has to hit a nine-foot guy in the forehead between the eyes. Do you not think that the Holy Spirit was come upon him to be able to do what he needed to do? Elijah says he picked up his robe, pulled it between his legs, and outran a chariot when the presence of God came on him. So he beat, he beat the king back to the palace, basically. So we see the Holy Spirit moving in the, the Old Testament, but they didn't call it the Holy Spirit. It says the presence of God came upon them. So it has to be a natural thing for us to flow in the Holy Spirit and not just be like, you know, uh, walk around, stand on the corner and saying, thus saith the Lord. When we prophesy, when we speak in tongues, when we do it, it has to be order. There has to be order to it. It's not control. It's not flakiness. It's order. And, and when God, move, God, what God does is he takes control and he takes flakiness and he makes order out of it. Order is everything working in motion in the proper ways to get the job done. It's not about just drive by. You know, it, it's not just, oh, I'm just going to go do this and I'm going to run off. And, you know, you look like the um, Jojo the Idiot Circus Boy when you, you, you run. Oh, I'm just going to say something to somebody and run off. It's like, no, God, when he wants you to minister to someone, he's going to give you order in ministering to people. He's going to give you the proper words, the proper timing, and the proper things to say when he's asking you to minister to someone. So and it has to be a natural flow of things. And what happens is we have to understand the flow of things because we have to start to be able to sense what the Holy Spirit's doing. It has to be natural for it to flow in us and then natural to flow out of us. And then the next thing is, is be, when it becomes natural to us, we have to pass on what has been imparted to us. We have to be able to pass on, and I'm not saying an impartation, I'm talking about the wisdom God has placed in our lives, the, the knowledge that God has placed in our lives from experience, whether it was good experience, bad experience, whatever. We can take that experience and impart that into other people's lives with the presence of the Holy Spirit. What we need to be able to be guided by the Spirit needs to be, be able to be um, natural for us in order to do that. When we try to do it reverse, it ends up really, really bad. Until we start to flow in that, trying to do that, and I'm not saying you can't do that, but I'm saying is when you start to do it, the, do it backwards, it becomes hard to, to minister to people. So should we should be able to pass on what has been imparted to us. So Hebrews 10 says this. It says in verse 23 and 20 through 25 says, So now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Discover creative ways to encourage others, to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works of expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. I agree with that 100% right now. As some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage each other onward and anticipate the day that is dawning. So, I love it. It says, find creative ways to motivate them. So I think what happens is is we, we are all, God has imparted things into us from us being dumb, us being wise, you know, we have life experience, but we have to take that life experience and say, okay, God, what did you do in that time? What, how are you working in my life at that time? What, what was going on that you taught me through my own mistakes? Or what did you teach me when I did it right? 
You know, a lot of times we think, oh, I only learn from, I'm learning from when I make a mistake, that's how God teaches us. No, he teaches you, you ever done something right and God's like, you did it right. And, and he teaches you even after you've done it right. We think that, that being taught has to come from doing it wrong when it comes to scripture. And it's not, that's not true. And living in a Christian life, you don't get taught um, from doing it wrong. It has to, it, God teaches you from every situation as long as you allow him to teach you. Is he, if, he allow, if you allow him to guide you, he's going to allow you um, or he's going to give you the ability to come and be taught from our own mistakes and from when we do it right. And he's like, you did it right. You, you were successful. You were on, on target on that one. But you can still be taught from that. Because there's times when you look back at life and say, that was a victory for me. And then you're like, oh yeah, that was a great victory. But you look back at the victory and say, oh, God really taught me this during that time. Or when you look back at it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is what God did. And then he teaches you from the victory. Because a lot of times we get the victory, we're like, yay, we're running around, we're like, yay, it's, it's over and I've got the victory. And then we thank God for it. But then he's like, hey, I want to teach you something out of that. Even though we won, he, we, we beat it, whatever, I want to teach you something from that victory. So um, I, I had talked about this um, on Friday night with, with some friends, and there's a, there's a way that we as believers, um, God gives us the ability to take what we've learned, to take the, the, what God has done in our life, to be apostolic and to bring that to where we go. So um, if you've ever been to, like Sarah and I went to a, a conference for like four or five days one time, and it was great, and it was like, this is awesome. And we learned a lot, and we took notes, and we brought it back, and it's like, and it was like, yeah, this is great. And we implemented things that we started to do, or that we learned, excuse me, we started to do things that we learned. And it was like, yeah, this is really good, and we're going to start doing this. And then there's other times where we come back, and we're like, that was nice, but it was just nice. It was just nice. It was like, it was relaxing, it was refreshing, but it wasn't something that we, we brought back with us. It was just a refreshing for us. And I think sometimes as believers, we, um, we come off of what they call conference highs or Bible school highs or whatever it is. And we, we enjoy that time, but we don't, do, we don't do anything from it. And so an apostolic person is this, and, and I, I've, uh, I was talking about this. What happens is, is Native Americans, when they, would, they were transients, so they would go here in the summer, they would go here in the winter, or they would move from place to place. Well, what they would do is, think about this, if you're you don't have a lighter, you don't have a propane torch, you don't have matches. How do you get a fire going? It's rough, it's crude, you get a fire going, what do you do? You don't want to just, hey, oh, we'll, just, we'll just put it out, we'll start another fire when we get down the road. No, what they would do is this, and they would take a log and they would carve out, they would find a softwood log and they would carve out a hole in it and they would take a coal and they would pour that coal in the log and then they would take and basically make a strap and put it and they, what they would do is they would carry that coal and that log to the next place they wanted to start a fire. And then they would start the fire in there. So what they, w- what they were doing is they were, they were shepherding the coal to, to the next, they were transporting the coal to the next place so they could start a fire. Because think about it, do you want to start a fire with two, rubbing two sticks together or do you want to take a coal and bring it to the place and, and, and blow on the coal to get fire going? So, so they would use a, a log to transport this, and they would, but they had to maintain it. They couldn't just set it in there and go. They would have to keep 
maintaining it. And they would fan, the, they would get a little bit going and they would just drop little things in there to keep it, kind of keep it from burning out so it would, it would burn other things. And so they would kind of just blow on it and, and fan the flame a little bit every now and then just to keep that, make sure that that coal was going. And what would happen is they would take that coal and they would put it on dry grass or, or you know, something that was uh, combustible and they would blow on it and, and start to blow air onto it and then they could create fire again. Can you imagine trying to do that with two sticks in the middle of winter or, you know, when it's cold or whatever? So they would take that and they would bring the, the fire that had been started there and they would bring it with them. They would transport it with them. And so I, I believe that what we need to do is, you know, when, when God does something in our lives, when he teaches us something, when he brings us out of something, brings us through something to give us this deliverance, we need to take what that fire that's been inside of us for that, and we need to transport that. Because what does Paul say? He says, fan the flame. And he says that in Second uh, Timothy, he says Tim, to Timothy, he's writing, he says, I'm encouraging you to fan the flame and rekindle the spiritual fire. The spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. So never be ashamed of the testimony of, your, of, your, of our Lord, excuse me, nor be embarrassed over the imprisonment, but overcome every evil by the revelation of the power of God. He has given us resurrection life and drew us to himself for his holy calling. And it wasn't because of any good we have done, but his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus. But he says, what do we do? He says, fan the flame, rekindle the fire. So if you're going to rekindle the fire, that means there's something that had died out. That means, but there was something there to rekindle it with. So when we, when we, when we walk with God, we have to stay, take something with us. Think about this. Apostolic people, Paul, all these missionaries, what do they do? They take the fire that they've had and they bring it with them and they start another fire. They don't just like, well, we're just going to start from scratch. No, they they don't. They bring the knowledge, the wisdom, the power that God has given them and they bring it with them and they, they fan that, they bring it and what do they do? They fan that flame. They rekindle that fire to start the new fire. Apostolic if you looked at Paul, what did Paul do? He didn't just, well, I'm just going to start from scratch here. I'm not going to use any of the things I knew before. I'm going to start from scratch here. No, he says, I'm going to rekindle. I'm going to take with me the fire that God has given me, and I'm going to rekindle it and create a fire here. I mean, this guy traveled more than any missionary on the face of the earth. He created more um, churches in Asia, Europe, everywhere than most people even understand and so he took that with him. He didn't just say, well, it's just, I'll, I'll start from scratch. He took the fire that God had placed inside of him and said, I'm going to rekindle it when I get there. I'm going to take that coal and I'm going to blow on it and we're going to start a fire again. The coal is like the presence of God. And our life is like the vessel. But we have to maintain that. Maintain. So the fire is the Holy Spirit in our lives, the, the, the power of God in our lives, working in our lives. And we have to take that, we, we have to maintain that presence of God in our life. You know, we get fired up about conferences or, or Bible school or whatever, but 
forget how to or just don't maintain that fire when we get back. You know, sometimes you come back and it's like, oh, yeah, that was so good. I wish I could go back to that. But God says, I've sent you. You're a sent one. I'm sending you with what I've given you. Whether it might be small and you may have to maintain it, but I'm sending you there to start another fire. When we allow our lives to be molded by the Holy Spirit and, and conform ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we become a suitable dwelling place for him to make his home. You know, think about this. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to come home. It doesn't want to come to a home that is filled with trash and debris. He said, I want to, God is looking for a clean place for the Holy Spirit to dwell. And that comes with salvation. Salvation is this, is we are born again. That means there's no junk. There's no baggage of past sin in our life because he's recreated us. In our mind, it might be there, but in our, in our spirit, it's not. Because God says, I've created you. David says, creating me a clean heart, a fresh heart, something that has no junk. And we say, okay, clean out the junk. God recreates us. So when we're born again, Think about it. A baby has no issues except for when are you going to feed me? When are you going to change me? But it doesn't have the baggage. It doesn't have the sin in its life. And so David says, created me a clean heart. And so what God does is he creates in, in us a clean heart when we're born again. And then the Holy Spirit comes into us and starts to dwell in us and live in us. And it becomes a suitable home for the transportation of the Holy Spirit. Just like that coal and that log. Ta- to take it and to build another fire, he puts us in us, a v- makes us the vessel for the Holy Spirit, that little ember that is in us to take it to the places that we go and to create fires where we go. Please don't burn anything down. I'm just saying that. Don't, don't burn anything down. But um, he allows us to be molded into the vessel that is suitable for the Holy Spirit to dwell, to rest in, to, for the presence of God to be there present with us always so we have the ability to just say, you know what, this is what the Holy Spirit's telling me. So he guides us and he leads us and he transforms us and then he allows us to impart what God has given to us to the areas that he's brought us to. So when we do that, when he, he puts in us the Holy Spirit, that, that, that fire that is inside of us, we transport that and we fan the flame of, of Christ in our lives to rekindle that fire. And sometimes I think we need to, we need to have the, the presence of the Holy Spirit blow on us to rekindle. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying. He says, let the Holy Spirit blow on you. Rekindle, blow into that, that, onto that coal. It takes a very small spark to start a forest fire, and it takes a very small coal to get a fire going. And so let the Holy Spirit blow on you. Let the Holy Spirit's breath just come into you. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We thank you that you just are present with us. We thank you that you just blow into our lives and just just transform us. We thank you that you're just leading us in victory. You're guiding us. God, just give us ears to hear, hearts
hearts that are soft, lives that are, are uh, suitable to be a vessel for your presence. And that when we, when we move from place to place and we go from work to home and home to school and that we transport your presence with us. It's not something that is left at home, that it just, it follows us. It is on us and in us. And that when we are with people that they see the Holy Spirit in us. That it is tangible, that it is something that is desired. And Lord, we just thank you that as you breathe on us, God, that, that fire is just inflamed in us and, and set ablaze in us so we can, we can transport that, God. We thank you for your love for us, your kindness for us, that while we were yet sinners, that you died for us, that you sent your son for us to be sin for us, that we would not have to perish. That when we believe in him, God, that you wipe away the slate and you transform us, you create in us a new heart, a new mind. And Lord, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.